Welcome back to the Raise the Apple podcast. We have a lot to talk about today, mostly going on in the MLB world, but there's a little bit going on in Metsland just to start things off today. But before we get into anything, uh, in the last week, baseball lost one of the greatest people, one of the greatest managers the game will ever see in Tommy Lasorda. He unfortunately passed away. He was recently released from the hospital with health issues. Unfortunately, he passed away a few days after that. Uh, Tommy Lasorda, two-time manager of the year, Hall of Famer, been with the Dodgers organization for over 70 years, most notably known as the guy who found Mike Piazza. And what I mean by that is, uh, besides what he did on the field, off the field, when um, he found Mike Piazza, saw something in him, went to the Dodgers, the Dodgers ended up getting him, and we all know, of course, how that ended up going. Uh, and in a good note, uh, how Mike Piazza's career turned out. He's also known as one of those guys that just always was fun to be around, always when you watch videos and read about people's encounters with Tommy Lasorda, Tommy Lasorda was just one of those all-around great people for baseball, and it is unfortunately a sad loss in the baseball community. But and on a lighter note, we're going to start off with what's going on with the New York Mets organization. Not much, not much has changed since Lindor and Carrasco. Not much is going on. Uh, Lindor and Carrasco had their introductory press conferences. Both went great. I think both are going to have very successful years in New York. Lindor, we're going to keep an eye on in terms of if he gets that contract extension. Uh, if He said in the press conference if they don't get a deal done, he's very much open to an extension. Very much open to the idea. He would like to get it done before spring training if they cannot get it done by spring training, he would like to put it aside and wait until after the season's over to address it. Perfectly fair. You don't want something like that to become an off-field distraction. That That's all anybody's talking about. So that's smart on Lindor's part. I have no question the Mets will try to extend Lindor. The question is how much. He's not going to get... I don't think he's going to get Mookie Betts money. I don't think he's going to get... Uh, or I think he will get around. I don't really know exactly. I just stumble over myself there. I don't really know if he's going to get Mookie Betts, Mike Trout money. I see Lindor getting uh, Machado money. I see him getting around 300, 280 to 300. I see is where Lindor will end up. The question is, uh, where or will the Mets be willing to pay him that? Now, certainly the Mets can do that. But it's just a matter of, are they willing to do that? And in my mind, they almost have to extend Lindor. You don't trade, excuse me, you don't trade for a guy like Lindor as a rental. And especially when he's in his prime, he's only 27. So when he's in his prime and you trade for a guy like Lindor, you want him to be the face of your team and be a Met the rest of his career. And you need to do everything in your power to make that happen. There's no way that the Mets traded for him to have him just for 2021. They had the intention of extending him. It just makes doesn't make logical sense why the Mets wouldn't try and extend him. Now, when and how much that'll be, that's still up in the air. 
Again, I don't know if he'll get Mookie Betts, Mike Trout money, but I certainly see him around the Machado area with the 280 to 300. But again, we'll see how that all we'll see how that all plays out. In addition, the Mets made two mi- very minor transactions. They've signed Brandon Jury and Jose Martinez to minor league deals with invites to sp- major league spring training. Drury is a utility guy, mostly been with the Diamondback. He spent a year with the Yankees and has been spent the last couple seasons in Toronto. Had an abysmal uh, 2020 season. He only played 21 games, but hit one batted 152 with no homers and one RBI and just seven hits. His best year, arguably, was in. <clears throat> excuse me, I just lost my place reading. Uh, his best season was in 2019. Hit 218 with 15 homers and 41 RBIs in over 120 games. Drury, great utility aspect. You like that he can play all over the field. Uh, he primarily will be in the minors all year. And same thing with Jose Martinez. Jose Martinez, though, might actually crack the Major League roster out of spring training off the bench. Yeah, uh, was with the Cardinals for a couple years and was traded over to Tampa Bay, spent 2020 with Tampa Bay, and then the last half of 2020 was with the Cubs. His best year was 2018 where he hit 17 homers and 83 RBIs, hit over 300 in 152 games. He sort of dipped down a bit, hit just 239 in 2020. Both of these guys bring in veteran aspects they've been around they know what the deal is Jose Martinez as we mostly know is having one of the wackiest awkward looking batting stances in baseball but what Drury and Martinez bring is more of just depth they're going to rely on the Mets are going to rely on their guys that are already on the Major League roster. They're not going to be dependent much this year, at least on their farm system, considering that how weak their farm system is. But if people do get injured, you have a guy like Martinez, who will probably, again, be off the bench to start the year. And then you got a guy like Drury, who have Major League experience, who you, until guys come back, you can put them on the field and more so use them as kind of placeholders instead of trying to bank on a prospect that or a guy in the minor leagues that has never panned out you're going to rely on guys that have had major league experience and major league success so at least it's not a huge gap to fill when the injury bug comes around because we all know the injury bug loves to hang around city field and they love to stay so hopefully that doesn't become the case, but again, I like the signings in terms of death depth. We've seen the Mets do this a lot over the past couple years with signing well-known or veteran guys in baseball like Danny Espinosa or Brian Dozier. You know, guys that have had major league success, they bring in, they sign the minor league deals with invites to spring training, have them they have them contribute off the bench mostly or start from on occasion from time to time or if there's an injury but mostly spending the year in the minor leagues something they continue to do which isn't a bad idea in terms of you have those veteran guys that can rub off on the younger guys up and coming through the farm system but at the same time it may seem like they're wasting money on a guy like Brandon Drury or a guy like Jose Martinez 
But signing both of them, the potential for signing them for as cheap as they are, they'll be, and the potential upside they could get from both of them, especially from Jose Martinez, I think these are nice little additions that could prove to be very useful to the Mets uh, down the line. Now that's pretty much it for what's going on with the Mets. The rest of today is going on uh, free agent signings around Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is finally, the hot stove's finally starting to pick up a little bit. We still have some big name guys, still free agents. Uh, Springer and Bauer, Real Muto are the big three. Marcelo Zuna, Simeon with the A's, uh, Nelson Cruz, Tanaka, Didi Gregorius. Those are some other guys that are notable free agents still available. And as we quickly are winding down to when pitchers and catchers need to report, hopefully all these guys uh, find home soon. The first thing that we're going to discuss, Kyle Schwarber is going to the Washington Nationals on a one-year deal. He said the other day that he felt it was kind of a gut punch when this when the Cubs waived him, but he found a home quickly in D.C. We expected him to find a home quickly. That's a nice pickup for the Nationals. Again, that's another low-risk, potential very, very high reward with Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber... Uh, known as more of a home run hitter. He's been out in left field. He came up as a catcher, then moved him out to left field. The one thing I'm wondering with the Nationals, they bring in Josh Bell, they bring in Kyle Schwarber. My wondering is, what are they going to do with Ryan Zimmerman, Mr. National? Now, Ryan Zimmerman is a free agent. They're open to re-signing him, but I'm wondering with Josh Bell probably getting all of the... All of, if not all, excuse me, that stumbled again. Most of, if not all of the time at first base for the Nationals, you bring in Zimmerman. You bring Zimmerman back. Where does Zimmerman go? Does Zimmerman go over to third? Or it's a, a lot. A lot of questions going with the Nationals and if they bring back Ryan Zimmerman. But bringing in Josh Bell, bringing in Kyle Schwarber, the Nationals are making some nice moves uh, going into. This year, they're abysmal World Series hangover year in 2020. But again, the, Na- the Nationals are one of those teams where uh, Nationals and the Phillies are probably the two teams in the National League where I'm looking at and I'm wondering kind of what are they doing? What is their plan of attack? But the wash, but again, getting Kyle Schwarber, excellent, excellent potential upside that the Nationals are getting. Now, the next move that we're going to get into is perhaps one of the big, the second biggest move. Uh, you'll see the biggest move, and that happened earlier this morning. Oakland A's will need to find a new closer. Sorry, A's fans. The Chicago White Sox have signed Liam Hendricks to a four-year contract worth $54 million, which includes a $1 million signing bonus and a club option for 2024. That is a fantastic addition for the White Sox. That bullpen is shirt up with their closer with Hendricks. Now that also raises the question, what will they do with Alex Colome? Which they're rumored to be, uh, Colome is rumored to be in trade uh, trade speculation. 
But now you have a lockdown closer. You've already brought in Lance Lynn. You bring back Adam Eaton. You already have a young and terrific offense, as we saw this past season. You have a great young and up-and-coming pitching staff. Now they have four guys, and they have four pitchers on their active roster that finished in the top ten in the Cy Young voting a season ago. That would be Hendricks, Keuchel, Giolito, and, oh my goodness, I cannot remember the fourth one. Oh, it was Lance Lynn. My bad. So Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Liam Hendricks, and Dallas Keuchel, excuse me again, were four of the top ten Cy Young voting, which is great for the White Sox. I love the direction they're heading. I would say that they are the favorites in the AL Central. Of course, the Indians and the Twins will be hot on their tails the entire year. But I love the direction the White Sox are heading. That deal makes per season value makes Liam Hendricks or Liam Hendricks contract per season is the richest buyer reliever. Uh, previously tops Wade Davis's contract, which he signed a couple years ago with the Rockies when they tried forming that Super Bowl pen that completely imploded on them. But that's okay. We don't talk about that. But a great get for the White Sox. In addition to bullpen moves, the Phillies have also uh, rounded up their bullpen a little bit. They have found a potential new closer for the 2021 season, right-hander Archie Bradley. A one-year, $6 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies previously with Arizona and then last year with Cincinnati. He earned career-high 18 saves in 2019. Over his career, he has two excuse me, 28 saves in 221 appearances with a 2.95 ERA. I think this is, a again, another great addition for a team in terms of bullpen help. You can never have too much pitching. And the Phillies, who are struggling to figure out what to do with JT Romuto, they do get a guy that they can rely on to shut down games. Uh, last year, watching Hector Neris close games for the Phillies, and over the watching closers try to shut down games for the Phillies over the past couple of years, has been absolutely terrifying to watch. That Phillies bullpen last year was just oh, I can't even put it into words. That was horrendous to watch. But they get a guy in there finally. A guy like Archie Bradley that can lock down games. And it's just a matter of what are the Phillies going to do with JT Romito. They're certainly in a good spot around the rest, around the rest of the field. They can bring back Didi on maybe a one or two year deal. Sign JT Romito long term hopefully. All right, the Phillies aren't in a bad spot but they aren't in a great spot. They're kind of caught in that awkward. They're kind of stuck in their own way. If, and if that makes sense. They're kind of stuck with which direction they want to go. But again, bringing in Archie Bradley, the probability of bringing in JT Realmuto, potentially bringing in uh, Didi, maybe they go out there and get a James Paxton or a Masahiro Tanaka at the top of their rotation. Phillies aren't in a bad spot either. That NL East is going to be fantastic to watch coming into the 2021 season. More pitching moves happened last night. The Giants signed left-hander Alex Wood to a one-year contract. Over eight 
major league seasons with the Braves, Dodgers, and Reds. Alex Wood has a 3.45 ERA over 188 appearances, which also entails 138 starts and some bullpen work. He's an all-star in 2017, one-year $3 million deal, including an additional $3 million in performance bonuses. Balances out the Giants' rotation a little bit. Again, this isn't a move that makes the Giants contenders by any means, but uh, this is a step in the right direction. Alex Wood is 30. He has had some injury issues, but over the when he's been healthy, he has been he has not been horrible. He's been solid. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't stunk. Alex Wood is a nice little. Reliable guy you could throw out there once every five days. You kind of have an idea of what you're getting. But this is a nice step forward for the Giants. A lot of what I like about this offseason, as I know I keep it sounds repetitive, I keep saying it a lot. But I like that I like these moves because I like that teams that aren't known for making nice addition, good additions to their roster, are starting to make great moves. You know, you look at the White Sox, a team that normally doesn't make big moves. Last year, they made big splashes. This year, they made a big splash with Liam Hendricks. Giants bring in Alex Wood. Uh, last year, the Phillies brought in uh, Archie Bradley, and they brought in Moustakis, and they brought in Trevor Bauer. You know, a lot. it's nice to see teams that aren't known for making big splashes start to make those splashes. I think that's great for baseball. And perhaps what's great for Yankees fans is finally, finally, as of this morning, DJ LeMahieu and the Yankees are finally in an agreement on a contract. Six years, $90 million is what it, is what the report is. LeMahieu looks like he will be staying, after some frustration, looks like he will be staying with the Yankees. He finished third in MVP voting after winning the batting title last year with his 364 average. He was the fourth player in Yankees history to lead the majors in that category in terms of batting average. Uh, his na- some notable names that are next to him are all Hall of Famers, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, and Lou Gehrig. Those are some uh, pretty good names in Yankee history to be a part of. But 32 years old, the six-year deal is a. It was a no given for the Yankees that they needed to bring back DJ. But, sorry, Yankees fans, I'm going to take a lot of you off right now. This doesn't make the Yankees better. The Yankees are the same team. The only difference is right now they're without Tanaka. They're still pretty much the same team, but they are the Yankees, so they will find ways to win. But you got Severino coming back, so the top of your rotation is going to, your one two is going to be Garrett Cole and Luis Severino. Hopefully, you bring back Tanaka. And then you got some guys like Michael King and Debbie Garcia, Jordan Montgomery, that they could throw at the end of their rotation. But around the field, their team hasn't changed. Their team isn't changing. They're still gonna have uh, John Carlos Stanton, who has a hamstring made of paper. Aaron Judge, who's on and off the injury shelf. Don't get me wrong. The Yankees are a great team, but I don't see them really improve and adding guys that make them better. You know, you add DJ Lemayhew, that puts you right where you were last year. In terms of you have the same team. Now, if they're that team can win a World Series. Don't get me wrong. 
but they just need that I don't I don't know if the Yankees are the favorite to win the World Series. Maybe in the American League they're the favorite to win the pennant. But I just think there's a lot of teams in the National League. The White Sox in the American League, the White Sox are quickly coming on their tail. The A's are quickly coming up. The Rays are sticking around. The Blue Jays are making moves sooner than expected. He almost signed LeMahieu. The reports were saying that LeMahieu almost signed with the Blue Jays. If you if the Yankees lost DJ LeMahieu to the Blue Jays, Yankees fans would have absolutely went bonkers. But Again, they're the best, one of the best teams in the American League, but the National League, with the moves that National League teams have made, like the Padres and the Mets, and Atlanta still being uh, what they are, I don't know, and the Dodgers, of course, still being what they are, I don't know if the Yankees are World Series favorites. I, I would consider them World Series hopefuls at this point. But if the Yankees did not bring back DJ LeMahieu, that would have been... A disaster if they lost DJ LeMahieu. There's rumors that the Mets were talking to DJ LeMahieu. That would have been the perfect icing on the cake to steal DJ LeMahieu from the Yankees. That would have been fantastic. But the Yankees keep their guy. It took long enough. I can't believe it took this long. But again, what are you going to do? They're still in on Tanaka, on keeping Tanaka. They could still very well land a Trevor Bauer or maybe they. I don't see them bringing back Didi Gregorius. Or maybe they bring back James Paxton. A lot of question marks still with the Yankees. Now, the rest of... Oh, the last free agent news, I almost forgot. Uh, just reported by Ken Rosenthal just before I started recording. Was that the Angels have signed Kurt Suzuki on a one-year deal. That's a nice move. The Angels, have they made a really big splashes that you know made them significantly better no but they have they've made some nice moves the uh, Angels have been in talks with the Cubs for Wilson Contreras they've been in on Trevor Bauer but they bring in now they bring in after bringing in Rendon last year now they bring in Kurt Suzuki they've made some other nice additions the Angels are slowly starting to make some moves they're more uh, safer options, for lack of a better word, than going after a guy like Contreras. Or, I mean, they very well still could bring in Contreras and have Suzuki as a backup. They could also still bring in Trevor Bauer. But I like the direction the Angels are heading. They're finally starting to show Mike Trout, hey, we're here to win. Which is a great, great start for the Angels. Now, the last little bit to talk about today is... From an MLB front office standpoint, first, uh, uh, excuse, wow, I am stumbling over my words today. It's just one of those days. MLB is hiring former Cubs man president Theo Epstein as a consultant to on-field matters. Theo Epstein, who stepped down from the GM role with the Cubs, everyone was thought he was going to take a year off from baseball. Then everyone thought, and then come back, everyone thought he was take that he said that, but it was going to go to the Mets. Everyone was saying, nah, he's going to work for the commissioner's office, be the next commissioner when Manfred is gone. Now he's working in the front office anyway. As a consultant to on-field matters, he's talked about uh, trying to make the game more exciting. You know, have what's going on the field in terms of rule changes and creating more action and pace of the game, trying to make it more appealing to fans. 
and Epstein is one of the best guys to do that. Epstein's one of the will go down as one of the most successful front office personnel in baseball. He's had a terrific career with Boston and with the Cubs, and now I'm sure he's going to have a increasing role in the front office of Major League Baseball. This is a one of the, it's you knew Theo wasn't going to be gone from baseball forever. You were though expecting from what we were told that 2021 he was sitting out and he was going to just enjoy life for a little bit, but he decided to come back. He will be working with the commissioner's office. But overall, that's a nice it's nice to have Theo Epstein still in baseball. I think he's a great mind for baseball. I think he has great ideas, and we'll see what direction he decides to head in. Uh, but the last little bit for today, I know there's a lot today, is MLB and Rob Manfred have announced for teams to be ready to go day one of spring training as normal with a full 162-game season. Thank God. We will have a full season in 2021. Uh, they're still negotiating on the expanded playoffs, if they're going to do that. They're still figuring out fan situations. They're still figuring out the Universal DH. There's been talk of banning the shift. All sorts of stuff going on still, but the, there will be, as of now, a 162-game season. With regards to fans, they're hoping to have fans in spring training which is great, which is fantastic, which that means that as a as a country are we are getting better with covid if we are starting to allow fans at places. Now again, Major League Baseball said that they are not going to enforce that fans have a negative covid test or get the vaccine. However, team officials and government officials can overrule them. So for example, I live in New York state. So Major League Baseball said that they're not going to force that. But Steve Cohen in the Mets, Brian Cashman in the Yankees, Governor Andrew Cuomo, all of them can overrule that and say you have to have either a negative COVID test or a vaccine or one of the above or either, or both or whatever it is. Those guys can say you need that. But Major League Baseball is not saying you need that. So having the... So most likely though... Uh, at least what we've seen with, uh, you know, football games, like with the Bills just allowing fans back, hockey starting up, they're allowing fans back. A lot of what I'm seeing is they're not, and it's been happening since fans started coming back in the games that they've allowed them. They're not requiring fans to get the vaccine, but they are requiring them to have a negative COVID test. They are requiring them to wear masks when they're in the stadium and still follow social distancing stuff in the stadium. Obviously, we're not going to be able to have a packed house of 40-plus thousand at City Field yet, but if we can start at maybe, you know, six, 7,000 and slowly go up from there, it's, and steadily go up from there, that's still a great start. But again, a lot of great, a lot of positive momentum in Major League Baseball in terms of getting fans and getting life back to normal. But... Again, like I just said, I know I'm repeating myself a lot. I'm stumbling over my lot myself a lot today. Whatever MLB said with regards to the vaccine and having a negative test, government officials and team officials can make their own rules. So the Mets and Yankees can say, you need to have the vaccine or you need to have a negative COVID test and proof of it before you can come to a game. And then government officials 
like Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York can also say you need this and this to go to games. But if we can have fans, you know, if the worst we have to do is show a negative test, I'm for it. If you know, if I have to get tested and prove it's negative to go to a Mets game, I'll do it 10 times out of 10. It's a small price to pay to just to get tested, you know, so uh but that's pretty much you know, that's where we are right now. But we're you know, we're still pushing through almost there. Almost there. You know, when you're starting to allow fans, starting to allow large gatherings slowly but steadily, things are start finally starting to go back to normal, which is good. And I'm glad the sports world is kind of leading the charge with that. But that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode of the Raise the Apple podcast. A lot, a lot to talk about today. Uh, again, I, had, I stumbled over myself a lot today, but... That's my fault. We had a lot to talk about today. Wanted to make sure I got all of it out there to you guys. The Mets are in on Brad Hand. There was rumors that the deal was close. Then there was, excuse me, rumors that the deal wasn't close. So we'll wait to see what happens with that. We'll wait to see what happens with Springer, with Bauer, with Real Muto, with all the free agents that are still left. Uh, make sure you're following us on on Twitter at RTA underscore pod. Make sure you subscribe to us here on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. I know I keep saying it. Google Podcasts still coming soon. I'm still finalizing the details with that for Android and Samsung users. But we're getting there. Make sure you uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Let's go Mets.